Good morning, church family. As always, it is wonderful to see all of you here today as we will once again be opening up to chapter 11 in the Gospel of Mark. And we'll be looking specifically today at verses 27 through 33, or when the authority of Jesus Christ is challenged, which comes to us, church, in the Gospel of Mark, right on the heels of Jesus Christ cursing a fig tree and then cleansing the temple in Jerusalem as well. Or after Jesus Christ, as he was was leaving Bethany and heading back to Jerusalem, verse 12, he became hungry. And that's because of that, and seeing a fig tree off in the distance that was in leaf, he, Jesus Christ then, decided to go over to this fig tree to see if he could find anything on it to eat. However, when he finally did indeed arrive at this fig tree, he noticed that there was nothing on it but leaves, which caused Jesus Christ to curse this fig tree by saying to it in verse 17, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Only to then church head into Jerusalem and ultimately cleanse out of the temple here as well. By initially, verse 15, driving out those who sold and those who bought in the temple, and by overturning the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Since the outer temple courtyard here, church, or the only place in the temple where the Gentiles could worship God, had been turned into a marketplace of sorts where animals were being sold for sacrificial purposes. Therefore, as we go on to see in verse 17, Jesus Christ then began teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? Jesus Christ quoting from Isaiah 56, 7 here, where he says, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, indicating that the temple wasn't just to be a place of worship for only the people of Israel, but instead for all the nations of the earth, only to then reference that of Jeremiah 7.11, where he says, but you have made it a den of robbers. And in short, calls out the religious leaders here, church, or verse 18, the chief priest and the scribes who had stolen away from the Gentiles, if you will, their ability to worship God in the temple by allowing this aforementioned marketplace to be set up in the only place in the temple where the Gentiles were actually allowed to worship God. And thus the next day then, As Jesus Christ and his disciples were walking once again back to Jerusalem, they passed by the cursed fig tree from verse 14 and noticed, as we see in verse 20, that it had withered to its roots. Which big picture here, church. This fig tree was seemingly indicating that the temple that Jesus Christ also cursed the day before would also then end up suffering the same fate as this now destroyed fig tree. To which Jesus Christ then goes on to teach his disciples how they too can call on or draw on, if you will, the power of God via prayer. By in essence telling his disciples, as we see in verses 22 through 24, that when they pray, that they are to pray in faith, 
and to pray with a forgiving spirit, since both are fundamental components, church, of powerful and fruitful and effective prayer. Which takes us now to our thesis statement this morning, or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. Christian, willingly submit to the authority of Jesus Christ in every area of your life. And do not let your pride or your desires for the things of this world ever get in the way of that. Again, our thesis statement this morning, church, is this. Christian, willingly submit to the authority of Jesus Christ in every area of your life. And do not let your pride or your desires for the things of this world ever get in the way of that. And thus at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up this morning to Mark chapter 11, verses 27 through 33. And if you are joining us today and do not have or do not own a Bible, then please feel free to grab and even to keep one of our church Bibles, which are all located in the chairs in front of you as our gift to you on this day. And to also then open that brand new Bible of yours up at this time, to page 847, and to join us as we as a church family hear the Word of God together this morning. For again, we are in Mark chapter 11 this morning, church, and we'll be looking specifically at verses 27 through 33, where John Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priest and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we are tempted at this time to let our minds drift and to begin thinking about things in life that we really, really, really do value. Father, convict us this morning and draw our hearts to your authoritative Son, Jesus Christ, the one who we should be valuing this morning above all else. Father, let us not follow the lead of the Sanhedrin here in our text today, who value these positions of power and of prominence. 
and to love the authority that they possess in and of themselves. And because of this hard-heartedness, reject the authority of Jesus Christ. Father, if there is any aspect of our lives that we are unwilling to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ this morning, convict us, I pray. No matter what area of our lives, as those who have been saved by the blood of the Lamb, they all should fall under the authority of the God-man himself, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that this text then opens our eyes and our ears this morning to see our need to repent if we are clinging to anything above Jesus Christ. Father, help my lisping and stammering tongue this morning, I pray, to boldly showcase the sovereignty, the authority, the preeminence, and the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, Father, the one who will reign forever and ever and ever over both the living and the dead, the one who all authority on heaven and earth has already been given to. Let that, Lord and Savior, be proclaimed and see today. And let us all fall on our knees and worship him for who he is, the sovereign authoritative Son of God of the universe. Do this mighty work, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one. Christians, since Jesus Christ is authoritative over all, willingly then submit to his authority. Point number one, Christian, since Jesus Christ is authoritative over all, willingly then submit to his authority. Verses 27 and 28. And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priest and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them. So on the same day as Jesus Christ and his disciples passed by the withered fig tree in verse 20, they then, as we see here in verse 27, came again to Jerusalem and headed back to that of the temple. However, as Jesus Christ was walking into the temple, verse 27, the chief priest who were the male members of the priestly families of the Sanhedrin, and the scribes, who were the experts of the Mosaic law of the Sanhedrin, and the elders, who were the non-priestly members or officials of the Sanhedrin, or quite simply, a delegation of members from the Sanhedrin or from the Jewish high court here, church. For they came up to Jesus Christ, and they said to him in verse 28, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? These things in verse 28, seemingly referring to, especially within the present context here, church, to when Jesus Christ rolled up into the temple the day before and began driving out those who sold and those who bought in the temple and overturning the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons and not allowing anyone to carry anything through the temple and then teaching and saying in the temple, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it 
a den of robbers, which absolutely did not please the chief priests, the scribes, or the elders here. So much so, as Walter Wessel points out, that they probably would have just arrested Jesus Christ on the spot here if it wasn't for him being just so popular amongst the people at this time. Nevertheless, when they do indeed ask Jesus Christ then in verse 28, by what authority are you doing these things, or who gave you this authority to do them? For they were doing so here, church, all in an attempt to try to trap Jesus Christ, and to trick Jesus Christ, and to take down Jesus Christ, and to ultimately, as we saw back in verse 18, after Jesus Christ cleansed the temple, to destroy Jesus Christ. And the trap, if you will, that they have set up for Jesus Christ here, for it basically goes something like this. For if Jesus Christ answers their questions here by saying to them that no one gave him the authority, verse 28, to do these things, or that he was doing these things merely on his own accord, Well, the Sanhedrin then could quite simply tell all of Jesus' followers at this time that his authority was not really from God and that there really was no reason to follow him. However, if Jesus Christ instead answered the Sanhedrin by saying to them that his authority to do these things was from God, Well, then the Sanhedrin then could arrest Jesus Christ on a charge of blasphemy here and ultimately then demand for his death and execution here as well. And thus, in light of the Sanhedrin's hostile and antagonistic challenge to the authority of Jesus Christ here, I want to pause for a second here, church, And consider how exactly we respond to the authority of Jesus Christ here as well. Especially since, as Daniel Aiken explains, we all have a source of authority in our lives. Someone or something that guides us and drives us and something that rules. And for so many people out there today, like the Sanhedrin, it is themselves. And they are not really interested in surrendering that rule to anyone else. And thus lovingly, and in light of all that, for who then is the ultimate authority in your life, church, in that who drives your decision-making, church, and who guides your worldview, church, and who determines for you good from bad, just from unjust, ethical from unethical, moral from immoral, and ultimately right from wrong, church? For is it your selfish desires and political beliefs, church, or your man-made laws and psychological feelings, church, or your health, wealth, and prosperity aspirations and experiences, church, or is it the rule, the reign, and the authority of the Son of God himself, Jesus Christ? Or to paraphrase a story I found from the publication Bits and Pieces, When Christian Herder was the governor of Massachusetts during the 1950s, he was running running hard for a second term in office. When one day, after a busy morning of chasing votes, 
And without any lunch, he arrived at a church barbecue, completely famished. And as Herder moved down the serving line at the barbecue, he held out his plate to the woman serving the chicken. And she then put a piece of chicken onto his plate and then turned to the next person in line, to which Governor Herder then said to her, "'Excuse me, ma'am, would you mind if I had another piece of chicken?' "'I'm sorry, sir,' the woman said back to him, "'but I'm only supposed to give one piece of chicken to each person here.' "'But I'm starving, ma'am,' the governor said back to her. "'Again, I am sorry, sir, but only one piece of chicken per customer here.' At this time, the governor then, who was a modest and unassuming man, decided that he would throw a little of his weight and power around by saying to her, "'Do you know who I am, ma'am?' I am the governor of the state of Massachusetts. To which the woman then replied back to him, Well, do you know who I am, sir? I'm the lady in charge of giving out the chicken here, which means one piece of chicken per customer, so please move along. And that in this situation, it did not matter what anyone else said, sure. Since the lady serving the chicken here was in essence the authority and that what she says goes. And similarly, nor does it matter today, church, that the world around us says that we can speak our own truth and live out our own truth and make up our own truth and be the king, queen, ruler and ultimate source of authority concerning our own truth since the fact of the matter is all authority in heaven and on earth has already been given not to politicians, church, nor to influencers, church, nor to celebrities, academics, scientists, teachers, school board members, or even that of social media posters, church, but instead, as Matthew chapter 28 puts it, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ, which means then, church, that what he says goes, what he commands is true, what he declares is trustworthy, and what he has revealed to us will almost assuredly then come to pass in the end as well. And thus, let us be sure then, church, to not follow the lead of of the hard-hearted Sanhedrin here and begin to challenge and question and reject the authority of Jesus Christ. Since Jesus Christ not only has the authority, church, to calm the storm, give sight to the blind, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, feed the 5,000, and even lay down his own life and take it right back up again, but also to execute judgment on all as the Son of Man himself there. Therefore, quite simply then, church, place your faith in Jesus Christ, submit your life to Jesus Christ, and let Jesus Christ then rule and reign as the authority, church, over every aspect of your life, all while completely resting in the fact that your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has most assuredly, church, been given the authority, John 17, 2, to give the gift of eternal life to all those whom his Father has ultimately given to him. Which brings us to point number two. Jesus Christ will not respond favorably to those who come to him 
in unbelief. Jesus Christ will not respond favorably to those who come to him in unbelief. Verses 29 through 33. Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So after being asked by the chief priest and the scribes and the elders in verse 28, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you the authority to do this? Jesus Christ then, for he responds back to their questions here in verses 29 and 30, not by directly answering their questions, but instead by saying to them, I will ask you one question, answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? The John mentioned here in verse 30 being none other than John the Baptist. But we met all the way back in Mark chapter 1 church as the forerunner of the Messiah. Who came, verse 4, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And preaching, verse 7, that after me comes he who is mightier than I. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And that's what Jesus Christ was seemingly doing here in verse 30. Was in essence asking the Sanhedrin. For was the ministry and the baptism of John the Baptist divinely commissioned and authorized by God? Or did it merely originate from man? To which the Sanhedrin then, verse 31, discussed this question with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But verse 32, if we say from man, well, they were afraid of the people. For they all held that John really was a prophet. And what was taking place here is the Sanhedrin thought through the ramifications of their potential answers to Jesus' question in verse 30 was this. For if they answered Jesus' question by saying to him that John's baptism was indeed from heaven or that John's ministry was indeed divinely commissioned and authorized by God, then Jesus Christ would say to them, verse 31, for why did you not believe him? And in essence, they would be forced to admit them, as numerous commentators have pointed out here, that they should have listened to John the Baptist, repent of their sins and acknowledge Jesus' divine authority here as well. Since John the Baptist made clear, as we see throughout the Gospel of John, particularly that of John chapter 1, that Jesus Christ was indeed the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and the Son of God himself. Whereas if the Sanhedrin instead... Say, to John, say that John's baptism, verse 30, was for man. 
or that John's ministry originated merely from man. Well, then, as Dr. Luke puts it in Luke chapter 20 of his gospel, all the people then would have stoned them to death since they were convinced that John the Baptist was indeed a prophet. Hence why this delegation from the Sanhedrin here, church, verse 32, were so afraid of the people. And thus it is because of that that the Sanhedrin then put their tails between their legs, claim ignorance on their part, avoid the question altogether, and quite simply say, back to Jesus Christ, for we do not know. To which Jesus responds back to them in verse 33 by saying, neither will I tell you, but by what authority I do these things. And although the Sanhedrin here, church, a scholar James Edwards points out, opts for the suspended judgment here, opts for keeping an open mind here, as some might say today. The reality is their response here shuffles between skepticism, unbelief, and cowardice. To which, as Edwards concludes, where there is faith even as small as a mustard seed, Jesus Christ responds with, truly I tell you, Whereas in the face of calculated unbelief, Jesus Christ responds with, neither will I tell you. And thus, as we begin to close this morning, church, I want to begin with the non-Christian who was here first, or begin with the individual who is here this morning, but who at this time does not know Jesus Christ, has not placed their faith in Jesus Christ, does not acknowledge the lordship of Jesus Christ, and too, just like the Sanhedrin here in our text today, has not submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ as well. And I want to plead with you at this time, non-Christian, to no longer harden your heart toward Jesus Christ, or to be skeptical of Jesus Christ, or to doubt that of Jesus Christ, but to instead go to Jesus Christ in faith this morning, non-Christian, even if it's with a faith the size of a mustard seed, and repent of your sins and place your trust in Jesus Christ. Since God the Father Almighty, non-Christian, the creator of heaven and earth, sent his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, into this world as truly God and as truly man in order to live and to dwell amongst us and to save us from our sins, which he, Jesus Christ, most certainly accomplished, non-Christian, by initially living for us the life that we could never live, by living a life here on earth that was sinless and holy and righteous and good, and in doing so, fulfilled the law of God in its entirety, perfectly and completely, non-Christian, all for the very children of God. However, fulfilling the law of God all for the very children of God, for that was not all that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, accomplished here on earth while he lived and dwelt among us. And I say that because Jesus Christ also then, non-Christian, paid the price for our sins that we could not pay by willingly taking our sins upon himself and by being nailed to and pierced, crucified and crushed on a cross at Calvary 
Calvary in our place and as our very substitute, even though he himself never sinned. And in doing so, satisfied the justice of his Father God and appeased then the wrath of his Father God all toward his sinful children. And thus because of that, three days later then, non-Christian, this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, whose sin and death then had absolutely no power over, for he didn't remain dead or buried in some grave, but instead three days later, he, Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead, and he defeated sin and destroyed eternal death once and for all, and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. For let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sins, as the only one who paid the price for your sins, who died for your sins, and can clothe you then in his perfect life, in his righteousness, and reconcile you back to God forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today will be the day that you will be forgiven of your sin, non-Christian, and given the gift of salvation and that of eternal life. And to the Christian who is here today, For as we close this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, I'd like to do so by considering at this time the condition of our hearts, particularly in light of the Sanhedrin here, church, who make no mistake about it, were a group of individuals overall who loved their power, church, and who loved their authority church and who love their positions of prominence and stature and standing and status church and who ultimately then refuse to accept the authority of Jesus Christ church. And thus in light of all that, I think we would do well here church to take a second then and to make sure that our own positions of power and that our own high social standings, and that our own personal reputations and statuses and influences and esteem are not keeping us in any way from submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ as well. For this story out there, church, told about a man by the name of Baron von Welts, who in the 17th century willingly renounced all his titles and estates and went on to become a missionary in South America. And when he gave up all his titles and estates, he said, for what is the title well born to me when I have been born again? Or what is the title Lord to me when I desire to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or what is the title your grace to me when I depend completely on God's grace and help and aid. For all these vanities I will do away with and lay at the feet of Jesus, my dearest Lord, also that I may have no hindrance in serving him. Similarly, 
so too should all of God's children, intent on serving the Lord, remove their hearts from this world and its honors and its glories and all their own self-satisfactions and instead set their hearts on the things from above. And thus, brother Christian, sister Christian, as we have confessed with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, for we must, must, must then, Christian, continue to resist the urge and to withstand the pull and to fight against the temptation that is out there today to begin to neglect the teachings of Jesus Christ and the commandments of Jesus Christ and the ways of Jesus Christ and to begin to compromise on the gospel of Jesus Christ all in order to gain, maintain, and retain, Christian, our positions of power, our places of prominence, our reputations of wealth, and our elite social standings within the world around us today. Since this Jesus Christ, who you might be tempted to neglect at times, Christian, make no mistake about it, is the Master and the Lord of all. Which means then that he must be authoritative then, and Christian over every area of your life, over your theology and your finances, Christian, your morals and your behaviors, Christian, your jobs and your hobbies, Christian, raising your kids and social media, Christian, what you stand for and even how you vote come November, Christian. And I say that because, as the late English evangelist Leonard Ravenhill once wrote, Partial obedience to the Lord is disobedience to the Lord. And thus, because of that, for let us be sure then, brother Christian, sister Christian, at the idol of power and the idol of accomplishment and the idol of prominence and prestige and recognition and social standing and all those other like-minded desires of the flesh do not keep us from wholeheartedly submitting to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Since God the Father, Christian, has not only highly exalted Jesus Christ, but also bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Therefore, make it your goal then, Christian, in the here and now and in all that you do to willingly and completely and to fearlessly submit yourself to the authority and to the lordship of the sovereign Son of God himself, Jesus Christ, the one who will reign supreme church forever. Thus, it is my prayer that we as a church body do not get fooled into seeking after the desires of the flesh and do not get bamboozled into clinging to our positions of power and our places of prestige or valuing our social standing more than Jesus Christ. And thus let us be willing then, Father, to be stripped away of any and all things that might be keeping us from submitting every area of our lives to your Son. Since we as the children of God do not desire to cling to the darkness, but instead desire to faithfully walk in the light. 
Therefore, help us then, Father, to see your Son, Jesus Christ, as he truly is, as our Master and Lord, who all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to, who is authoritative over the living and the dead, and who will one day judge the world and give sinners who come to faith in him the gift of eternal life. Therefore, by your grace, Father, empower us to submit to, to acknowledge, and to follow your Son, Jesus Christ, in all that we do, also that through him we can be saved from our sins and receive the gift of eternal life in his most holy and authoritative name alone. Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, there is salvation in no one else other than your Son, Jesus Christ. It is only by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, that we are saved from our sins and given the gift of eternal life, which only Jesus Christ has the authority to give. Thus, if there are individuals here this morning who see themselves as authoritative over their life instead of Jesus Christ, Father, we pray for your grace upon their hearts and their souls and their minds this morning convict them that they need to confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. They need to believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead in order to be saved. And Father, if there are individuals here, church, amongst the brothers and the sisters in Christ this morning who are valuing at this time their positions of power, their prominence, what the outside world thinks of them, and they are willing to compromise on the teachings of Christ, on the commandments of Christ, on the ways of Christ, or on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Convict them, Father. And Lord, help us as a church body to repent of that sin and to help us grow, Father, so that everyone here as part of this body is willing to put every aspect of our lives under the authority of your Son, Jesus Christ. It is a work, Father, that we know only you can do, but we will pray in faith, Father, for you to do it because you are the God of the impossible. Grow us, Father, we pray, in decreasing so that in our lives your Son, Jesus Christ, increases. In Jesus' name, amen.